everybody. I'm so glad uh, that you've joined us for the service today. <clears throat> I'm believing that as you hear God's word today, that God's word will, will germinate in you and produce uh, the fullness of Christ in you. I'm really believing that for you today as you hear God's word. Uh, so I want to encourage you to, to have an open heart and an open mind. I'm going to say some things that, uh, that might challenge your, uh, your, your belief system. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, as, we, as we progress in, our, in, in receiving progressive revelation, we also must understand that it's our responsibility to progress with our understanding. Uh, and it is only then that you will begin to experience transformation in your life. So progressive revelation needs progressive understanding. Okay, so I'm believing today that, that you are smart, you are switched on, you're ready with your books and your, and your uh, pens and the Bible. Uh, and so let's get, let's get into the word. So we've been on the, on the series called The Man in the Mirror. And over the past seven weeks, uh, we've been going deep into uh, understanding the identity, the character, the nature and the purpose of the new creation. Now, this word or, or the term new creation is something that Paul uh, introduced into the, to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. So the new creation, uh, uh, the, this, this gift, this grace that God has given to his children is not available to those who are outside of, creation, uh, outside of Christ. Which means if you are in Christ, you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You believe his word. Uh, you, you apply his word in your life. Now he's given you the grace gift called the new creation. The provision is already made. And so now he says, behold, right? He says, sorry, he says, all things, all things have gone away and behold, all things have become new. He says, behold, all things have become new. The reason why he says behold is because it's something, you are something to behold. It is something to, you are something to look at. You are something. There's a glory on the inside of you. There's a glory uh, from you that begins to, is manifested from you that all of humanity, listen to me very carefully, all of humanity and all of creation will behold. There's something about you. There's, there, there's never been a species like you ever created. You are, you are different. So there's a, there's a glory that is in the new creation, that a, that a new creation manifests that is unlike to humanity and all of creation. There is a, uh, you must understand in, in John chapter 1, uh, Jesus, uh, it is said of Jesus that John says that in him was light, life, and this life was the light of men. There's a difference between all of creation and all of humanity having a light and a glorious light. There's a difference. The new creation carries a glorious light. But all of creation carries a light. This is very important that you understand this. Okay? Because I'm not preaching universal grace. I'm preaching uh, a, that all of creation was created by God. It, in, in all of creation, there is a light that is the life of, of men and all of creation. But it is not a glorious light. When you become born again, you're brought into Christ, you receive the, the, the light and the life and the glory that belongs to Christ. 
And this light and this life is a glorious light. And when you when you begin to uh, receive the word of God and you begin to apply the word of God in your life, just like Althea was talking about, there's a glory that is manifested through your life that all of creation begins to behold. And the reason why they behold it is because there's a deep desire on the inside of all of humanity to become like Christ. So today we must understand that the new creation, there is the provision of the new creation that God gives to us. It's already been, it's a grace gift, it's given to you. But in order for you to see the manifestation of that new creation in your life, you have to go through a process of the renewing of the mind in order for you to experience transformation. All right. So we are being, as we behold him, we become, we're transformed into his image and likeness. So the title of my message today is the image and likeness of God. All right. This is a phenomenal message where you're going to enjoy this message. I totally believe it. Um, But we need to understand that when, when we talk about the new creation, God is not trying to recreate a better version of Adam. This, if, if you can uh, understand this and, and keep this as a lens uh, while, while you're listening to the, to the word, uh, then you will progress with the revelation. He's not trying to recreate the Garden of Eden. He's not trying to recreate a better version of Adam and Eve in your life as a new creation. The new creation is a new species altogether. The new creation is, is, is actually uh, something that is being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, not Adam. So we need to understand that when the Bible says that we're a new creation, we need to understand that God is not trying to recreate a better version of Adam or Eve or even the Garden of Eden. We're not going back. God, the nature of God is that he is progressive. He's moving forward. Now, so he's transforming you into an absolutely new species. And for you to discover who this species is, is you need to know that it happens by the renewing of your mind. As your mind is renewed, the old is gone and the new has come. And it is only when your mind is renewed with the knowledge of the new species, the new creation, that's when you will begin to function like the new creation. All right. We see that in the, uh, in the Bible, <coughs> that God was looking for righteousness. In the book of Genesis, he was looking for the righteousness, his righteousness on the earth. He could not find man, he could not find a single man on the planet who was righteous except for Noah. Right, so, so God decided to do a mass cleansing the first time. When there was sin that entered into the world, he, d- he decided to do a mass cleansing. And he, he found Noah as the only righteous one. So he picked Noah and his family and then the flood wiped out the entire world. But the, but the issue with that was that sin from the garden had, had permeated into the DNA of humanity. 
Even with Noah and his sons, even though Noah was righteous before God, in in the DNA of his sons, sin had entered into their, it was in their, in their DNA and sin began to permeate into the world. And as sin increased in the world, so did death. These are very, very important you know, statements that I've just made because it, it will completely make sense uh, as the message goes on. But please keep this in mind. That as sin increased in the world, death also increased in the world. Okay, And so instead of wiping out the entire human race again, God decided to do things on his own. He decided to take things into his, take matters into his own hands and he comes down as a man. He comes down as a man. He comes down in the, in the, in the likeness or the form of Jesus Christ who was sinless, who was fully righteous. He accomplished, he fulfilled the law and the prophets. He did everything there, right? He was, he was sinless, he was blameless. There was not a blemish on Jesus. And so now Jesus comes, God comes as Jesus into the world and he takes your sin and my sin. He takes the sin of humanity onto, into him. And now as he pays the price on the cross, he creates a new covenant, with God. He creates a new covenant with God that whoever believes now in him, right, does not does not perish but have everlasting life. You must understand this. So the new covenant is written in the blood of Jesus. So the Bible says that his blood speaks a better word than any other word. And so we see now that God who created man desired man to be like him. When man wasn't like him, he tried to start, do a reset all over again. When that didn't work, he decided to be the reset himself. He came down as, the man, as a man. He gave himself up that whoever believes in him, right? Whoever believes in his word. Now there, as your mind is renewed by the word of the new creation, who is the only begotten, the only begotten son of God, he's transforming us into the image and likeness of who Jesus is today. So I'm going to talk about two aspects of, of how God created uh, how, how God created man, because it's not the creation of man that is the most important thing, but how God created him that reveals his image and likeness. And then we'll go into how we're transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. So if you could open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, this is, this is one of my favorite books actually. I preached out of Genesis 1, 2 and 3 for at least the first year of our church and we absolutely enjoyed it. Right, so verse 26. We'll read verse 26 and 27. 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God gave us dominion over creeps. You won't believe it, but it is there in the Bible. If you have encountered creeps in your life, God gave you dominion over it. (laughs) That is funny. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, 
He created him male and female. He created them. Now I want you to go to chapter 2 and we'll read verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being or a living soul. Now, put your Bibles down. I'm going to talk for a little bit and I'm going to reveal something that probably you've never heard before. When God, who is the creator of the universe, who is, he is the God of all creation. When he created things, especially in the first chapter, when we go through it, he said, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. And everything that God said manifested into the physical realm. So which means the nature of God is that he speaks and what he speaks, he creates. So let me rephrase that again. When God speaks, whatever he speaks manifests into reality. So when God said, let there be light, light Came, light manifested and it came into this reality. Now we, we must understand Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I want you to go quickly to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to bounce around the Bible today. So it's, a good, it's going to be good. So I hope you, you have your Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says this. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay, so now coming back to Genesis chapter 1, we see that when God spoke something into existence, he did not create things from things that were already visible. Which means God did not look at a tree and say, let there be trees. I hope you get that. God did not look at the mountains and say, let there be more mountains. God did not look at fish in the sea and say, ah, okay, maybe I like another variety of fish. Let, let there be more fish. And there was fish in the sea. No. You must understand, everything that is seen today, that, is, that God has created, was in the intention, was in his intention in his mind. So God had a thought, and in his thought there was an intention. To create something. He looked at the earth and it was null and void. And he said, man, I want to I I bless the earth. Let there be light. He saw the darkness and he, he saw void and he released light into it. So which means the nature of God is that God speaks first. And what he speaks, he creates. It's literally opposite to what man does. Man likes to do things and then talk about it. It's a very self-righteous and accomplishment mindset that says, well, you know, I, I won't talk, brother. I will, I will show you first and then I will show you and then I will speak to you and then I will say what I've done. No, God is completely different. The nature of God is that he speaks and when he speaks, his intention in his word, everything that we see today existed in God's mind. It existed in his intention. And when he used the word, he spoke the word, the word made his intentions visible. So what was in the invisible, all of creation was in the invisible. When God spoke his intentions, when God spoke his mind, his word, the word made everything visible. Which means it already existed before in the invisible, before it became visible. I hope you're getting it. But if you 
listen to how man was created. It's a little different. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. But he did not create all of creation, the rest of creation. When I say all of creation, I'm not talking about humanity. I'm talking about everything else. When he said, let us, uh, let us make man according to our image and likeness, man did not show up like all of the other creation. See, we must understand how, what God is saying in his scripture here. When he said, let there be light, light was not made according to God's image and likeness. When he said, let there be trees in the field, it's not made in the image and likeness of God. When there's fish in the sea, let there be waters, you know, all that, everything. When you go through the creation, none of creation was made in the image and likeness of God, except for man. Man was the only one that God said, let us make man according to our image and our likeness. Now you must understand this. This is very, very important. Very important that you get this. When God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Man just like all of creation was formed. But you need to know what was God's image and likeness. God's natural state is that he is invisible to the natural realm. And when God is invisible to the natural realm, if he said, let us make man in our image and likeness, man was formed, but he was like God, invisible to the natural realm. This is, this is an amazing revelation if you open up your mind to it. Because traditionally, uh, you know, people have tried to explain this and they could not explain it. But I really feel like God is giving Life Church Global a fresh revelation today. When God said, let us make man according to our image and likeness, man was created. He existed because he was in the image and likeness of God. But all of creation could not see him. Because he was in the invisible realm. So now when God had to bring man into the earth, he came into the earth and formed man. He gave him an image. He gave him an image that the earth can relate to. See, God is not like man. God, let's, let me just say this, God is not man. He's not even in the image and likeness of man. He chose to become like man. But when we look at this in the context of the new creation, we're, we're looking the way God created Adam, his intention is, is the way he create. he's creating you, he's, re, he's creating you into a new creation. That is according to the image and likeness of Jesus. So, so we must understand that when he created Adam, he spoke him into existence and he was invisible. But when God wanted Adam to become visible, he came into the earth and from the dust of the earth, he formed man. And then he breathed the breath of life into Adam. And when he breathed the breath of life into Adam, you must understand. Let me read this very carefully, okay? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, comma, and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
God did not make him a living soul. Man chose to become a living soul. Why? Because he existed before God put him in the body. Come on, man. This is phenomenal. So man chose to become a living soul. It's very important that you get this. This is a, a, a so from the beginning of time, God made man in his image and likeness. Man knew how to choose. Man knew how to make a choice. So God would come and give man a body. And when man received that body, he became a living soul. And now when he became a living soul, he began to choose which tree is better than that tree. What is this? What is, I'm going to give this thing a name and I'm going to give that thing. So all of, all of creation now began to revolve around Adam because all of a sudden now an invisible God became visible. They noticed that, hey, I'm seeing the traits of my creator walking around me now. He's giving me my name. And when he calls my name, he gives me my nature, character and abilities. Do you understand? I, when we look at a lion today, we're looking at an image that always existed that Adam gave the name to that lion. Now, I believe that man carried the image of God and the likeness of God. And that's why he was able to have dominion over all of creation. It's very important. But that dominion was not because man was righteous. Not because man did not have any sin. No, it was because God had commanded him to have dominion. He gave him dominion. It was a grace gift. Dominion and authority is not something that you earn. It is a grace gift. Because God has given you authority, dominion and authority on the earth as he would have on the earth. The nature of God is that he is invisible to the natural realm, but he is visible to the spirit realm. Okay? He's visible in the spirit realm, but invisible to the natural realm. But the way his image and likeness functions is that God's image is not static. There's a difference between a picture and a video. If, if I could make you understand like that. If you look at a picture, just a, an image, it's just an image that is, that is frozen in time, that has stopped in time. And through that image, we, we can understand certain aspects of it, but we cannot understand the likeness of that image, of that person in that image. But when we, when we look at God, God is like a video. He's an image that is progressive. And he, as he progresses, you, he begins to reveal his likeness. See, we, we look at, we look at uh, babies today. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. We look, at, we look at children today, babies. You look at a baby born and they, they have a certain image and a certain likeness. But as that child begins to progress, as he begins to grow, become a teenager, grow into an adult, all that kind of stuff, he begins to progress and his likeness begins to evolve. 
See, that's the nature of God. His image and likeness. People have always thought the image of God is just an image. But the image of God is a progressive, perpetual, revealing image. Let me, let me show this to you in, in, in the word because you need, to see, um, you need to see this very clearly. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 6 and, and Revelation chapter 4, we see, we see prophet Isaiah and John the Beloved having a very similar encounter with the throne room of God. You know, they, they're seeing angels, they're seeing uh, the living creatures, uh, you know, they're seeing God, they're seeing the Lord in all His glory. Uh, and, but John has a more detailed and, and a longer encounter than, than prophet Isaiah. And, but in, in Revelation chapter 4, we see that, you know, he, he was called up, he was taken into the throne room on the Lord's day, right? And when he goes up there, he sees the glory of God. He sees the throne room. He sees the 24 elders around the throne. He sees the, he sees the, the living creatures and, and he hears them worship. Please listen to me very carefully. He hears them worship and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is to come. And then suddenly the scene changes where an, a strong angel comes to John and he's standing next to him and the strong he notices that the strong angel sees a scroll in God's hand. This is God the Father's hand. And when he sees the scroll in God the Father's hand, he cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll? There is no one worthy. And John begins to weep because there's no one worthy until from God the Father a lamb appears. And that's Jesus. Jesus comes and he takes that scroll. Please listen to me very carefully. He takes that scroll from God's hand and the angels and all of creation in heaven around the throne begin to respond in a new song. So when God does something new, heaven responds to him with a song they've never sung before. That's powerful. So what does that tell me? It tells us that God's image is a superfluous, progressive, perpetual image of constantly evolving and revealing. Evolving, revealing. Revealing and there's an expectation of a response. He reveals Heaven responds. Everything that sees God responds to God. That's powerful. Everything that, that is around the throne, their focus is on God. And every time God does something new, which means it's every minute of the day, every second of the day, every time you look at God, you see a new side of Him. He, he, he's constantly transforming. He's constantly, there's perpetually, his image is not static. He's constantly evolving. And every time he evolves, you experience a new likeness. You see a new side of him. You experience new, uh, 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 the nature of that image. So every time God reveals himself and you see him and you see and you experience him, you experience also his likeness. So God's image is a progressive likeness. God's image is his progressive likeness. You can't separate the both. God's image, where every time you see God, you will, you will experience his likeness. 
And so now we must understand that when God created Adam in his image and likeness, Adam was exactly that. He was the first species of human form to reveal the glory of God and also the nature, the ability, the character and God's purpose on the earth. That's why all of creation began to respond to him. He made him in his image. He said, I make him in our image according to our own likeness. Verse 27 says this, God created man in his own image. It's very personal. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's so beautiful to understand that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're created beautifully and wonderfully. We're created in worship. We're created in, in revealing and responding. That's what we, man was created in. The image and likeness of God. We're created in the image and likeness of God. Something changed. Somehow, humanity had the image, but not the likeness anymore. It was because God came to man and commanded him that you can eat of any tree in the garden, except for that that tree. I mean, that's grace in itself. Every tree in the garden, except for the knowledge of good and evil. And so we know the story that they hung around that tree. They fellowshiped with another voice that convinced them and filled a desire in their heart for the knowledge of good and evil. But you must understand God's heart. He is amazing. God took the tree of life and put it amongst every other tree in the garden. And he said, you just don't eat of that tree, which means man was meant to eat of the trees as if they were eating of any tree. And then they were supposed to come and discover the truth. Discover truth. They were meant to eat of the tree. And when they ate of the tree, they would have experienced truth for themselves. And if they experienced truth for themselves, that would become the very source of life that would continue to, uh, that would enable man, please listen to me, enable them, give them the grace to continue to transform into the image and likeness of God. Come on now. This is powerful. But God put truth amongst all the other fruit trees. And he said, don't eat of that, that one tree there, don't eat of that one. So we know that they go, they fellowship around the tree and they eat of the tree and they disobey God. Uh, And God comes to them and says, who told you that you were naked? How how did you find out that you were naked? Because there was a a glory, right? They were, were, (laughs) this is phenomenal. 
There was a, you, you must understand, the likeness of God is God. God is full of glory. When, when John saw Jesus, when he described him, he said he was full of grace and truth. The glory of God, as I saw his glory, we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. You can't tell me that Adam did not have a glory. And, but there's something that happened to Adam that he began to, to say his nakedness was bad only because the likeness of God, the glory of God lifted. When they sinned, ladies and gentlemen, when they disobeyed God, God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. They did not physically die, but the ability to progress, the ability to extend the ability to keep evolving, the, the ability to keep progressing, the ability to, for, your, for their cells to begin to multiply and, and replenish the body, all of that stuff, the, all that technology that God gave them, stopped. Think about this. When you have a baby that is born, we all celebrate the baby. And the baby grows, 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 become an adult, all, all, all of that stuff, teenager, adult, you know, teenager, we go through all our teenage nonsense, all that kind of stuff. We come to an adult, get a job, get married, get all that. And then we come to a certain point in our life where it all stops and then we start declining again. Why is that stop happening? Have you ever thought of that? Why does your age have to, yeah, we, we, because we count the numbers, you know, because we like progress. We, we, okay, now I'm 65, 66, 67, 68, 69. Oh, wow, I'm 70 years old. My knees are hurting, you know. Oh, why is that happening? I'm 70 years old, but my knees are hurting. Oh, I cannot stand up. Oh, I cannot sit. Oh, look at my this. Look at, you, we have all these things. We keep progressing in age, but our body seems to be deteriorating. It's going backwards. Why is that happening? It's because... We lost the likeness of God. We have the image, but we've lost the likeness. It is the likeness of God. This His ability, God's ability to constantly, perpetually mature, perpetually grow. If you understand what I'm saying right now, you, you would, if you get this revelation, you will know exactly what I'm trying to say. It was never God's intention for man to die. It was never God's intention for man to fade away. It was never God's intention for man to experience old age. I'm, I'm getting to what I'm actually going to say right now. God did not give man the option of death when he created them. Man was meant to have this image that was superfluous, that was constant, like a video, constantly increasing. Every week you see a new episode. Every, every time you look, at, you look at man, you see a new episode. You see a new side of God. You, you, see a, you get a new revelation. And all of creation who is, who is under the dominion of man was meant to behold man and become like God. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. That replenishing of the earth had to first happen in the man's body. So before we even try to replenish all of creation, we have to understand that the likeness of God, the nature of God was that we need to be replenished ourselves. There is light in all of creation, but there's glorious light which comes from God. 
when they sinned and they, they disobeyed God and they sinned, the Bible says that death, sin entered into the world and through sin, death entered into the world. Ladies and gentlemen, in humanity, there came a moment when man stopped growing. He stopped multiplying. They come to a certain part of their age and it just stops. Some call it the midlife crisis. And so, so, so they, they, but it's actually, but you must understand, it is something that happens to people. They, it stops and then your body starts deteriorating. It starts moving backwards and then you actually die. See, we look at people in the Bible, they live 900, 998 years, all that kind of stuff. But when you, as sin increased in the world, so the death sentence became faster, came earlier and earlier and earlier. See, people got obsessed, humanity got obsessed with the image, but not the likeness. They completely forgot about the likeness of God in humanity. Today, if you were to talk about the likeness of God in, in, in a man, uh, it's an abomination. People in certain circles will think you're, you're gone off your, your head. What, what are you talking about? Are you God? No, we're not God, but we are like him. What does it mean to be called a son of God? It means that, it means that you carry God's name, you carry his image, but also his likeness to live long. To continue to evolve, to perpetuate, to, to have this superfluous lifestyle, this image that caught people. Every time they see you, they see a new side of God. Every time they, they hear you, they hear revelation, truth. Because the, the new creation does not live on, on, on the knowledge of good and evil. We live on the truth every time you, you eat of the knowledge of good and evil. This season, it's, it's in abundance. It's not one tree in the garden now. This, this, every tree in the garden on the earth has the knowledge of good and evil. But the minute you, you stop eating of that and you turn to the truth, the knowledge, the, the tree of life, when you turn to that tree, now you begin to experience the image and the likeness of God. See, man completely lost a desire to live somehow in the psychology of man it's okay to die but when it comes close to the moment of death they don't want to die they run to the hospital they run they take all the medication they try to do everything I don't want to die I don't want to die I don't want to die why? it's because deep down on the inside of your heart there's the likeness of God to live choose life that's why he tells Moses I'm giving you the choice oh that you would choose life See, when God gave man the opportunity to live, man said, I want the knowledge of good and evil. And so death began to come faster and faster and faster into their life. Every generation that passed, death would come earlier and earlier and earlier into each generation. Up until Jesus Christ. Ta-da! When God came into the world, listen to this, this will make sense now. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish 
but have everlasting life. This everlasting life is not in heaven. It begins here. <laughs> why, would, why would God send you to the earth when he could have, you could have had everlasting life in heaven? Why would this promise make sense if you're in heaven? If you're here on the earth and you are stepping into the new creation now, it makes complete sense because you are now being given as the new creation a new image and the likeness of God. Do you understand? You're not recreated into the image and likeness of Adam, but you're being transformed into the image and likeness of the resurrected King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who we're being transformed into. We're being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Now I want you to go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter um, 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to show you something phenomenal. Paul reveals us. It's so beautiful. Just remember John 3.16 Jesus, when Jesus came, he who believes, they were meant to fellowship with the tree of life. They were meant to fellowship with God. And as they fellowshiped with God, they would discover the likeness of God. They knew the image of God, but they needed to discover the likeness of God. Why? It's because God, even before the beginning of time, was evolving. He was constantly revealing himself. Even before time began. And even after time began, God is still revealing himself. Which means that we will not stop evolving. We will not stop uh, perpetuating. We will not stop progressing in the image and likeness of God in our lives. So which means this revelation that has begun now will continue till we go to heaven. And even in heaven, we will constantly be evolved and transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. So, if you are at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to present one verse to you. And that is verse 16. It says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When you think about that verse, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to the, to, to the natural understanding. How can one turn to the Lord when there's a veil on your face? That's just impossible. Unless you understand that there's a light on the inside of you. That God, when he created humanity, when he gave you life, the reason why you're alive is because there's a light on the inside of you. There's a light that is on the inside of every human being that is Jesus himself. But this light is not the glorious light. This light is the light of life. It's different. So now on the inside of every human being who does not know Jesus, the light of life is on the inside of him, but the veil of sin blocks his eyes. He cannot see in the natural. He cannot see God in the natural. Even in the spiritual, his spirit man is dead. His veil, the veil of sin constantly covers his eyes. So how does he turn to the Lord? There's a 
there's a verse that Jesus in the Gospels, when he's being tempted of the devil in the desert, in the wilderness, he responds to the devil by saying this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the way a sinner, a way a person who is veiled by sin turns to the Lord is because they hear his the tree of life in the garden, they still experience, the tree of life still exists. As the word, as you're beginning to hear the word today, as you're beginning to, as you speak the word of God to people, as people hear the word of God, they, they naturally turn to where the voice is coming from. You know, I've used this example uh, so many times while I, while I speak to people. Uh, if my dad and I were to go uh, to a market, um, you know, and, and the market is very crowded and there's lots of people and somehow my dad and I get detached because, you know, I want to go buy onions and my dad wants to go buy meat. And we get detached and I want to know where my, uh, separated, sorry, not detached, separated. And, and, and I want to know where my dad is and my dad wants to know where I'm at. He just has to call my name. I don't have to see him to know where he's at. I just have to hear his name. When I hear him call my name I turn to the place where I've heard his voice from and I look for him it's in the same way in the same way when we hear the word of God the voice of God when people's eyes are blinded by sin blinded by the law when they hear the word of grace it causes them to turn to the Lord. And when they turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This is so beautiful. The veil of sin, the very thing that causes you to sin, the very thing that, that caused you to have sin in your DNA, it's not just a veil over your eyes. It's a veil over your DNA that, that was stopping you from being conscious of Christ in you. When the veil is taken away, people now begin to see the Lord. When they see the Lord, they are transformed into his image and likeness. Now, I want you to go to, to the next chapter. This is something so beautiful. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to read one verse again for you. Powerful verse. Powerful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 6. And it says this. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. This again, he's, he's, he's quoting creation now. He's quoting how God speaks the word and it manifests into reality. He's saying that same God who, who, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read this to you in the, in the voice translation. It says this, The God who spoke light into existence, saying let light shine from the darkness, is the very one who sets 
our hearts ablaze to shed light on the knowledge of God's glory that's revealed in the face of Jesus, the Anointed One. It's so amazing to understand how the new creation is transformed. God's not trying to create man out of dust anymore. He's not trying to take him and put him in a garden anymore. He's not, he's, not, he's not saying, oh, okay, let me make him into my image and likeness and then call him and speak him into existence and, and all of that stuff. He's not doing that anymore. Neither is he wiping out all of humanity because he loves you. The way God transforms us into the new creation is by speaking his word to you. He sets your heart ablaze. He sets your heart on fire. How does he set my heart on fire? How, do, how, do, how, do I set, how does God set my heart on fire? I want him to set my heart on fire. Just remember, when God begins to do things, his testimony, the testimonies of God's goodness, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time you hear the witness, every time you hear somebody talk about how good God has been to them, We're releasing, we're setting people's hearts on fire. But God does it himself. He sets your heart on fire because you need to see the face of Christ illuminated in you. When the veil is removed off your face, when sin is no longer an issue, when when the law is no longer an issue and you are in grace... In Christ Jesus. Now. You begin to see. The knowledge of God's glory. In the face. Of Jesus. So in the face of Jesus. Is the knowledge of God's glory. Wow. This is powerful. And every time you look. Into his face. The knowledge, the word, the wisdom, the intention of God, the image of Jesus' face, the superfluous movement, constantly progressive word, you look into it. Every time you look into it, you're being transformed into the very image and likeness that you behold. See, us as the new creation, we're not like humanity where we need to we need God to come from heaven and fellowship with us the new creation God doesn't have to come from heaven to earth God already lives on the inside of you this is powerful so I walk into a room I'm not waiting for God to come into the room I walked into the room God's image and likeness entered the room. So the more I allow my mind to be renewed by this superfluous, progressive word of God, I am now being transformed into His, into the image that I see. But also I get a deposit or an impartation of the likeness that I experience. 
Because today, what you experience God, the way you experience God in your life will become natural to you tomorrow. How you experience God today will become the very source of, of life tomorrow to your body. See, God always wanted man to live. But the new creation man lives longer by hearing truth more. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Faith comes. Faith comes. It was somewhere and it is coming to you. Progressive. By hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God is the superfluous, progressive, uh, perpetual word of God that, that carries the likeness of God in it. Every time I hear the word of God and I behold myself in the word of God, I behold the face of Jesus. I'm not looking at Abraham and me in the story of Abraham. I'm looking for Jesus in Abraham. Come on, man. I'm not looking at Genesis as Adam and Eve and what they did. And I'm not trying to make myself one with them. I'm not trying to relate with anybody else in the Bible. I'm not a follower of Paul. I'm not a follower of the disciples. When you look into the word of God, when you look into it, it's the word of God. I'm looking for Jesus. In the Old Testament or the New Testament. All I'm doing is in the story of David. I want to know where the Lord is. Because even in that story. Even in the movement of God. Even in the progress that God made in David's life. I can be transformed. I can receive an impartation. My heart can be set on fire. Where God can reveal who Jesus is today. My desire from the word of God. Is to see who Jesus is in me Today, I want to see the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So I want to bless you today. I know this word is a deep word, but at the same time, I know that you are a new creation. You get it. You relate to it. You know exactly what I'm saying today, that God has come to give you life. God wants you to live. He has a purpose for your life. He's not, he's not done with you yet. The fact that you're alive means that you, uh, God still has a plan and purpose for your life. But for us to mature, the ones who are already know that they're new creation, the way you mature from glory to glory, strength to strength, grace to grace, is by constantly Coming into a place where you behold the Lord. You turn to the Lord. Every time you see the law. Every time you see the, the effects of sin in your life. You turn to the Lord. And every time you turn to the Lord. He takes it away. When he takes it away. He reveals the knowledge of God's glory. When he reveals the knowledge of God's glory, now you are transformed into the very image and the knowledge of God's glory that you behold. 
I want to pray for you right now. That God would remove offense. God would remove fear. God would remove hatred. God would remove sadness. God would remove disappointment. God would remove sickness out of your life. God would remove every effect of that veil over your life. That you would understand that you are a new creation and not treat yourself and other people around you like they are still under the law. I pray for you right now that God would set your heart on fire. That you would be known in heaven as a burning man. Right now, wherever you are, just begin to just lift your hands up to heaven in surrender. Lift your hands up to God in surrender and say, God, here's my heart. Set me on fire. I want to burn. I want my heart to burn with the truth of the knowledge of God's glory. I don't want my heart to burn with the knowledge of good and evil. I want my heart to be set on fire with the truth. Lord, I pray for every single person that is watching me right now. Every single person that has believed that you are an image but have never experienced your likeness today. I release your word into their hearts right now and I set them on fire in the name of Jesus. Father, that that the zeal for your house will consume them. Then every day would be a day where the fire will never go out. That this fire is not my responsibility to tend to God. It is not their responsibility, but this is a fire of grace. That the grace of God would keep our hearts burning constantly on fire. Father, that this fire will illuminate the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. And Father, in this moment, every sick body is getting healed. Depression is lifting off. Heaviness is lifting off. Lord, suicidal thoughts are broken over people's life. In the name of Jesus. I release a blanket of God's glory over every single person right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that cirrhosis is being healed. Cancer is being healed right now because the veil, the price has been paid. We honor you, Father, for everything that you are doing. We receive your image and your likeness. 
It is an honor to be called a son of God. It is an honor to carry your image, to be like you on the earth. What a privilege and honor it is for us to have that. And Father, we know that all of creation is beholding the new creation. This new species that is being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. They are beholding us and we release life. We release life into the economies. We release life into, into wherever this virus has gone. We release life right now. Into every family, into every home, we release life. Through the, through the TV right now, we just release. Through the mobile phones, we just release life. Through SoundCloud, we just release life right now, God. In Europe, where people have said this is the dark ages of Europe, we just release the light of God's life into Europe right now. Into Russia, we release the name of Jesus into Russia. Into America right now, we release life into America. Into India, we release life into India. Into the Far East, Australasia, we release life into into that place in Jesus' name. We break the curse of every virus, every sickness, every disease. Every plan that man has to release another virus. We bind it now in Jesus' name. We release your creation into the liberty of the glory of the Son of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the other day I was cooking some food in the kitchen. I was cooking some food in the kitchen and I was, I was asking God, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Like, what, what's the next step, God? What do we do? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm, I, I'm not fed up with what I'm doing, but I'm so eager to, to, to extend the kingdom of God forward. And, and I, was, I said, God, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to die. I want to keep serving you for as long as I live. It's not that I'm scared of death. But I'm too, I'm too scared to live and not fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. And I heard the Lord say this to me and I, and I want it to become a value system in our church. Have this thought in your mind. That if you were to leave the earth, will God miss you here everybody says when a person leaves the earth God has gained what about if you receive the purpose that God has for your life and that purpose has everlasting life in it and you were so good at what you do for the kingdom of God that if you chose to die or something happened to you, that God would miss you, would miss the effect of your life on the earth. I want to encourage you today to be strong in the Lord. I want to encourage you today to have this thought in your mind that if I were to leave the earth, God would miss me here because the image and likeness of God is no longer on the earth. 
I bless you today. I declare God's abundant, everlasting life over you. May you experience the fire of God in your life like never before. May you burn with a passion for Jesus. Kelsey and I love you. And we're so grateful for this season. We're so grateful for what God has done. We're so grateful to be alive. We can't wait to see you soon. We bless you in Jesus' name.